What's crazy is what stops most people from becoming a millionaire is that they never make $1. Yeah. And so what's crazy with AppSumo.com, which I started for $48 in a weekend, is that now, today, we'll do $200,000 today. Yeah. Today, which is insane to me, yeah. right? Like this year, we'll do about $80 million top line revenue, which is unbelievable. And that all started from a PayPal button right. and, a, and an email that I sent with no coding, no other people, no one, and one $12 sale. Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. We're doing it the right way anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. Most people will never become millionaires. Today's guest explains why. In his new book, Million Dollar Weekend, Noah Kagan shares the surprisingly simple way to launch a seven-figure business in 48 hours. Now, honestly, we got off to a rocky start with a pretty heated debate about energy drinks. And then somehow we got into conversation about what it was like working for a young, sword-wielding Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook. As one of the first 30 employees at Facebook, Noah actually was the one responsible for status updates, for mobile experience and Facebook ads. But even after some seemingly successful contributions to the team, Zuckerberg ultimately made the decision to let Noah go. And we talk a little bit about why in this episode. After being let go from seemingly a dream job, Noah really dove headfirst into the world of entrepreneurship. And I think things ended up working out okay for him now that he is the chief sumo over at AppSumo, which is responsible for over $80 million a year in top line revenue. Plus, he's got a YouTube channel with over a million subscribers, and now he is writing this book with one of the best business authors of this decade in Tal Raz. So he's an entrepreneur, he's a YouTuber, he's a taco connoisseur, he's an author, he's so many things, and this conversation reflects the variety of things that he likes to talk about, even if his energy drink taste is questionable at best. So let's go ahead and dive into this conversation that I had with Noah Kagan. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the episode of the Travis Makes Friends podcast. Today, I am making friends with the one, the only, Noah Kagan. Noah, what's up, dude? Welcome to the show. Dude, we're cheersing with the, the ghost. Ghost. Wink, wink. It's a ghost. I want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. It's like the and I love, thing. Dude, my but... go-to candy is Sour Patch Kids. Dude, what's your go-to, like, 7-Eleven candy? Go-to 7-Eleven candy is usually not candy it's more chocolate like the uh they, they have these they're like chocolate covered peanut butter pretzels like you know the peanut butter pretzels you buy in the fucking like barrels from costco yeah you get those and they're dipped in chocolate like those have become like, just like hell yeah oh, man they're so good uh but sour patch is up there though in, in terms of like candy 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 like, yeah yeah sour patches dude i'm a, I'm a sour patch guy and this specific this specific the blue. blue guy yeah this drink though not so good dude you know what I, so the first time i was literally would have this conversation me and eric before you walked in because he was going in the garage to grab we have celsius and we have all this other stuff we kind of energy drink kind of shears at this dude, house. hell yeah he was going out to grab a celsius i was like we got some ghosts in the fridge inside too and he's like uh, i'm gonna go grab one of those and i was telling him the same thing happened to me i first i tried it my wife got one and i tried it and i was like that is way too much no thank you and like two days later i was like 
let me let me try let me try drinking that again. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Bro, have you seen, like, have you like seen Celsius stock, by the way? Recently? Yeah. No. Celsius. So we had a guy at this office, Olman. He still works with us at AppSingle.com. And he's like, bro, you got Celsius. I'm like, dude, I don't need another. Like, I get it. I get it. And he just kept buying it for the office. <laughs> I think we alone helped their stock. But I think it's one of like the top performing stocks. Celsius energy. Day. Yeah. In I the past like, year I thought or you were going to report that it was going down because that's what I was going to say when I was looking at it. I don't know. When I, when I first started really getting into Celsius, Dude, it was like a year ago. They were trading at like, like a 15x revenue or something like that on the stock market. It's, it's wild for a beverage company to be trading that high. Dude, it's crazy. Up to year to date, 50%. And it's like the stuff doesn't- 50%? Yeah, just, that's actually not great, I guess, when you compare it to the rest of the S&P. But I think in the past five years- yeah, for, dude. Like for a new beverage company, though. Yeah, like that's... Celsius. Don't don't. By the way, don't invest in anything I do because all my stuff goes down. <laughs> but and I didn't buy this. That's why it's gone up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. They just keep going up and up and up and up and up. And oh. like like I said, in a in, in a space that's that competitive, that's when it's super intriguing. It's really it's just like, interesting. How yeah. Like just jump in. It's seemingly just an, right, another energy drink company. You know, like when it's when it's something like Prime, it's like you can see a direct correlation to the disruption of the market where it's like, well, this is clearly it's tied yeah. to a creator brand. Totally. Like that's the reason they're able to get it because all the people that watch their shit are just going to buy theirs instead of Celsius now. But when it's Celsius, it's like, why are, why did this one work? And there's, I don't know how many dozens of other ones that just came in and left or failed and yeah. just never made it to market or whatever. Just the one the one pops out and does well, that's really a, well. That's a lot of business too. There's like, there's definitely a timing component, but like who's sticking around? Who's figuring out like some angle of how yeah. to make it work? And it's it's generally like people that just persist. Like they find sure. something like, okay, why is it this one? Like maybe it's a distribution. I know for Prime, it's distribution, hmm. right? They have Logan, obviously the big guys, but I think they have like, you know, the UFC sponsorship and right. they got distribution and they're in Walmart. They spend $0 on marketing. Zero. Right. I was listening to him on, I mean, it depends on if you would label their like brand deals that they've done with like athletes and different football clubs overseas and stuff. If that would count as marketing on the, <laughs> on the line items. But, but in terms of like actual dollars spent on advertising, yeah. It's zero dollars. I was listening to him on maybe Chris Williamson. I don't know. So, some I was listening to him on a podcast and he was talking through like how much they spend. But like, you know, some of this stuff, it's like it's Elon's like, like, we don't spend any money on Tesla. But one, it's a great product. Prime yeah. tea is like shit, right? Like I tried yeah. Prime last night. I guess in interviews, they always want to give me the bad drinks. Thanks. <laughs> and I was Prime. I was like, this is disgusting. And at least the Tesla, they don't spend any money on ads. But it's just an amazing product. product. You want to yeah. tell other people about it. And I think yeah. that's some, a great part in, in businesses. It's like. How are you creating content? How are you creating e-commerce? How are you creating a service where people are actually like, and maybe if you like disgusting energy drinks, you want to get amped <laughs> up, you'll tell people to go do ghosts. Hey, bro, by the time, by the time this gets down to here, by the time this gets down to here, you're going to be like, hey, can I get another can for Dude, the road? Yes. Like, <laughs> I know. I'm like jumping up and down from all the ghosts through my body. <laughs> they like, dude, you see me next week on a YouTube video, I'll be like, Ghost energy. Yeah, exactly. It, the best. That's what's going to happen, dude. Like you're <laughs> you're going to write it off for like three weeks, and then you're going to see you're in a gas station. You. It's going to be next to something. You're going to be like, hmm, maybe well, I'll try that ghost one more time. Doesn't. Yeah. You'll see like the, the sour watermelon or something. Dude, and be yes. like, yeah, that's the shit right there. Yeah. I saw a crazy thing recently about the amount of caffeine in all these drinks and like how it's been increasing over years. So like the original Red Bull, I think it's like 80. I think it's yeah, like less pretty... than that. Uh, like the little cans. Yeah. yeah I want to say it's like 60. Yeah, it was like, like little eight ounce cans or whatever. That, like coffee is give or take similar. I think green tea is a little less. Yep. And then it's like Red Bull was at bang and these ones are now 200, 300. Yep. And they were basically- Bang was overboard. Bang, bang is three. I love bang. I I was on the bang train for a minute. Dude, bro. banged it? In, in, banged in, it. in dude, multiple dude. ways, yeah. <laughs> and um, so now, but it's just kind of interesting that like to differentiate, you know, it's like Black Rifle Coffee, 
or there's also a, a coffee company. What's the coffee one that's like intense amount of caffeine? Like there's a specific coffee uh, company that does the same thing. Talking about super coffee or not super coffee. It's about amount, amount of caffeine. These guys have just like put so much mm, in it. I'm not sure. Anyway, similar thing where how are you different? Death Wish. Yeah. Is. And so they put, I, I bought it. It's, it was not that good. And <laughs> honestly, it wasn't that good. And, but you know, just differentiating in, yeah. in different ways. And so I guess like upping the levels. And... Well, Canada recently like banned it. Do you see that? There's no. a bunch of energy drinks now that are like, that are like blacklisted from being in Canada because they, they put a limit on the caffeine. Hmm. He said, like, you can't go over 180 milligrams. Like, it, I don't know if you have the phone or you can Google that. I would be yeah. interested to hear what it is. But I want to say it's like 180 milligrams of caffeine that is like the limit now. So all of the ones on the market that have 200 milligrams, which is all of Prime, Celsius, Ghost, yeah. like a lot of the biggest ones are not going to be able to sell in Canada now. So I mean, the Canadians crazy. are nice people. I mean, like I'm, sales are going to go down, what, 1% nothing? You know, like, sorry, we lost the Canadian. Okay, this is where I get canceled in Canada. <laughs> Uh, but all I, of Alberta. I, dude, no, Canadians are awesome. I love Canadians. Actually, the, the, Sylvie, who's with us, who's like, uh, she's me online. She does yeah. all the social media. Um, Canadian, great person. I would say, though, in differentiating, we're talking, you know, million dollar week in business in general. What's interesting is also how are you differentiating? One of my favorite coffees, I drink it almost every single day. I need to get sponsored by these guys. Uh, it's Comatier. You heard of Comatier? No, never heard. So it's like, it's a funded company, which is kind of okay. bonkers. They, they nitrous like oxide. Like Yeah. They nitrogen oxide freeze coffee into little pods and then you heat up the pod and you a little thick like a little coffee pod comes out of it not like a machine it's just a little frozen pod and you just mix the frozen pod with hot water oh. and the, it is the smoothest just like instant coffee from a frozen pod it's, yeah you don't put it in a machine you just literally have a pod it comes out of a, a canister you put it with hot water and yeah. it is phenomenally smooth hmm. and i was this is how you know you built a good product i was so concerned that maybe they'd go to business one day i've like stockpiled Really? Like I'm probably the number one non-distributor of their product. Like I have an outdoor freezer that is just like filled with gum material. Coffee, just yeah. in case they yeah. run out of funding or whatever, yeah. can't get profitable. Dude, I time. don't even know. And then yeah. with no, you know, NoahKagan.com, my newsletter, I emailed out and said, "Hey, I love this coffee. If you want to buy it, here's the affiliate link and here's a non-affiliate link." And so now I have I have like a good amount of their coffee for a very long time. Nice, but uh, it's also essentially differentiating. You know, just think yeah. of ways and. It's life and that. business. I, I just bought this coffee. I have not tested it yet. It's it's in my fridge. I think I got it yesterday or the day before. But it's called Dot. Or dot. No. It's it's an instant coffee as well. It's just like a little. <laughs> still not growing on you yet, huh? <laughs> it's like a little glass bottle that's just really concentrated coffee mix that you're supposed to just put a little you know teaspoon in with okay. with milk or water and just oh, that's cool. whatever. I haven't tried it yet, but it was just like it's it's interesting that you said that because that's like the third or fourth coffee brand that I've seen recently that's going to this kind of instant coffee yeah type of the thing. But I, like I think because the K cup things played out. Yeah. Like now it's like when Keurig first came out, I was like, I'm all about Keurig. And then I started drinking real coffee and it was like, oh, I forgot <laughs> that this tastes way better than yeah. Keurig coffee. And now it's like I'm at a hotel and they have free Keurig coffee. It's like, yeah, I'm going downstairs and buying an actual totally. coffee because it's just it's not that good of a product. It was cool when it came out. But now it's like, yeah, I'd rather have good tasting coffee instead of like instant coffee. You know, so yeah. now they're doing like instant coffee, but it sounds like it actually tastes good. It's phenomenal. So I love Comatier. Shout out Comatier. Hook your boy up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and Ghost ignored Noah and just the sponsorships for me, not for him. Hook up your boy okay. Travis, please. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned your book, dude, and and that's kind of the reason you're out in Vegas and LA and doing this whole tour and yes. million dollar weekend. I know this has kind of been something that you've you've been writing about for a long time, and this was like a blog ago. article that you wrote on Tim Ferriss's blog that blew up. A long time ago, and then yeah. you did a couple of YouTube videos on it, and those did really well. Was that just kind of the reason to just, hey, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and put this into a book for people? 
there was a little bit of that. I mean, I think when you're doing business and it's, it's literally how I wrote the book too. It's like, how do you test this something that people want? Like if you want to do an energy drink and create something like ghost or whatever it is, how do you, you can literally buy this stuff really cheaply from Amazon and make it yourself mm. like soda water and some caffeine powder with a little bit of uh, syrup. And you could test today. You could literally order an Amazon. You have it in 24 hours and you could see, Hey, can I actually drink it? And can I get other people to buy it? So same thing with million dollar weekend, put out an article to promote AppSumo.com, our, our mm. software deal site for solopreneurs. The article went insanely viral. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I've always dreamed of writing a book and specifically like, how do I help other people have the lives they want? And really, can you change your life in a weekend to have your own business and to be an entrepreneur? Hmm. And then I was like, okay, let me do maybe a few videos because that blog that blog post went viral. Videos went viral. And I was like, okay, I wasn't ready to write a book for, for a very long time. I was just focused on running the business. Mm -hmm. right? A lot of times I've seen a lot of business YouTubers or business writers, I like to call them fiction writers. Mm. Because you don't know the business. theory. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I have this business. I'm like, tell me about your business. Oh, you can't see it. It's it makes a lot of money. Okay, well, can you show me anything? Can I buy your products? Can you tell me? No. And so I I wanted to keep starting new businesses like tidycal.com or sendfox.com or sumo.com or all these different companies that I've started, and then help other people. And then feel more comfortable and confident that I'm like, yeah. yeah, I have ways that have worked for me and others that I I feel ready to put together in a book. And yeah, things came together during COVID where I, I wanted to do it. And I felt like there's no other book that's really going to help someone actually get a business going without more money, without funding and investments, and in a very short time, which everyone has a weekend. I know you got two kids. It's like you don't have a lot of time for free stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's my guess, if, especially if you have a day job that you you're, don't you're like. correct about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had a day job that sucked. I fucking hated my day job at Intel, and I wanted to change. And so it's like, oh, maybe this is something I can do with other people. And it, it, what was fascinating, this is something for, for everyone out there, when I first had the idea uh, to finally put it together, I was like, okay. It's going to take some time and I want to have something that's going to take time mm -hmm. and make an impact. Like I can give a book to someone and be like, hey, if you want to start a business, this is it. So I go to an agent, Lisa Demona, and I wrote up like my own proposal mm -hmm. and she laughed at me. <laughs> She's like, this is not, a, you're like, a jo you're joking? Is this like a real thing or a serious thing? Is it like ghost or is it, <laughs> or is it like Cometeer? Like the real good stuff or is it like this joke stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Ghost is gonna like do like a cancel campaign on me, but it's fine because like I, no one should be drinking this stuff. This is like, a, would you drink this like before you go to the hospital? I drink this right before the gym. Oh my god, school, dude! It's a punch. It's a punch in the face, though. Hey, you know what? The speaking of like differentiation products, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is like is polarization, even on things like this, where it's like if you're going to create a product in a super competitive space. You kind of want that reaction, 100%. almost, where it's like a visceral, where you first drink it, and one person is like, "That's awesome," and another person is like, "This is dog shit. Get it away from me." Yeah, you know? and I think a lot of people kind of compete for that messy middle, where you people are just like, "Oh yeah, this is pretty good," but it's not good 100%. enough for the people who love it to, you know, bump Celsius from their energy drink routine, so they just stick with Celsius. You know what I'm saying? So, but, know what they, saying. but you're not gonna probably buy Ghost. But bro, like I said, three weeks, three weeks. <laughs> You'll ghost, see it. Send him. Dude, uh, uh, like, get your boy with yeah. the Ghost. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, what I've been thinking about, especially with business, million dollar weekend, and helping a lot of people with business and starting my own is now more than ever. Businesses are copied so quickly. Hmm. Just as you're saying, it's so easy to copy. So you either need to be the cheapest, or you need to be the most interesting brand, or the most expensive, or something that's really differentiated. Yeah. So when you get copied, people are like, well. It's, there's a unique thing about what's going on with that. And yeah. I do think with, with my book, what I'm proud of from seeing the results is that a lot there's a lot of business books out there, but most people don't need the business advice. That, that stuff's kind of like almost table stakes. It's like they need the mental advice mm -hmm. about what's holding them back to getting to the business. Correct. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been a fun process. And with Lisa, 
she laughed at me. And I think for all of us, we get rejected. Like maybe you don't get a guest, sure. maybe you don't get the sale, maybe you don't get uh, promotion, whatever these things. And it's really test of if we want this stuff. Right, right. So then I spent the next year writing a proposal, taking all the things I've worked on. I hired James Clear. You know this guy, Tom McCabot's? Sure yeah, he's been on the show, actually. Is he? Yeah, yeah. James, is, James is amazing. I hired his writer, the guy yeah. who wrote his proposal, David Maldewar. We spent a year putting together a proposal. Then Lisa signed in and all these other things. And three years later, we are here now promoting the, promoting the book. Yeah, dude. Well, how is that process, working with the publisher? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll clip this and air it No, after. no. The, yeah. the publishers are, it's an interesting industry, you know. It reminds me of like the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand what these realtors do for three to six percent. Does anyone? Yeah, right, what right, do right. they do? So the publishers do add value in that. Like there's been a press person who's been a little helpful. There's some status, right? Yeah, like, sure. like if you want to, yeah. Like if someone said they went to Harvard, you still are like, oh, okay, that's serious. And if you think about name, literally five books that are mainstream that are self-published. Yeah. Right. Like, okay. The Bible one. Yeah. What's another self-published book? <laughs> that's the only like other one that I would put in the category, but it wasn't self-published. It was still kind of like hybrid published with scribe, which was David Goggins. David Go but even that he Can't was published me. through Linecrest, right? So mm. every major book is still published. And so there's something there where there's a lot more credibility. Sure. And honestly, to actually work with the publisher, it's hard to get in, right? You have to pitch all these things. Right. You have to have an agent, you have to have a proposal. And so there's a different level of I'd say quality and intention that go into like a mainstream published book. Sure. But yeah, the whole process is longer and harder than I expected. You know, I'm in YouTube world and AppSumo.com world where you put out a tweet and you make a video and you right. move really quickly. And, you know, how do you create material that is going to stand the test of time? Like the yeah. book, this print, when we printed it, like they're like, yeah, it's not, it can't change anymore. And mm -hmm. at least for, unless you sell all these copies, which is, is tough. Right. But yeah, it was a, it's a long process. And so I, I think yeah. for everyone within all our businesses, content, ghosts, whatever it is, how do you validate along the way? Mm. And that's something we teach in the book. Like, how do you validate along the way you're doing something people actually want? Yeah. Because right. I can put out the, the version of the book that I originally wrote with Tal Raz. And Tal Raz wrote Never Eat Alone. Never split, split the difference. Yeah, yeah. super, you know, top 10 business books of the, the past decade. The original version we finished together, I gave it to some beta readers. And I'm like, this is just not very good. This mm. doesn't even sound like you. It's like all these weird ass jokes. And, you know, through kind of validation with them and then noticing what they they commented and liked and noticing what they were like, this is confusing, mm -hmm. you know, it has led us to you know, finally three years later having a book that I'm really proud of that I yeah. do think and I've seen make a difference in people's lives. That, that's that's kind of the big deal for me is like, because I've been think, been tossing the idea around in my head, at least more recently about writing a book uh, mm. now that I've done almost a thousand podcast episodes around like relationships and getting to know people and getting and figuring out these different, you know, tips, tools and strategies, or whatever, it's just like, I feel, feel like it's it's almost that time, but then it's just, I never wanted to put together a book just for the sake of saying that I'm an author. It was just like, if I do a book, I exactly what you said, I want it to be something I'm very, very proud of. Where it's yeah. like, even if it, like, even if it didn't sell as many copies as I wanted to, I would still feel awesome about it and would still feel like, Hey, it didn't sell as much, but like, I'm still really proud about the thing that we put yeah. together here, which is also another thing in business I don't think as many people think about, especially if you come from like the online marketing world where people are so obsessed with marketing that they forget to make product and like any sort <laughs> yeah. of experience or focus at all, you know, and then they market shit product and then wonder why they get called scam artists. You know what I mean? Yeah, or they don't have a product someone actually wants. And and you know, for your for your book, you know, I think one, what are you saying that's actually unique? Right. And maybe there's something you can answer. And then two, are you committed? I'm, I called Tim Ferriss and I've known him, I gotta meet him before he even became famous, before the book up, came out. Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the strategies in marketing that's in the later section of the book, which is called Grow It, which is like, how do you connect with pre-fluencers? Hmm. How did I meet Tim Ferriss before he got big? How did I meet Eric Rees, Ramit Sethi, Drew Housen of Dropbox? Like, I got them before they were big, and now it's easy to be able to connect with them, like Ali Abdal. Yeah. And 
it's interesting because one, it's like, what's the unique thing you actually have to say? And two, are you committed to working fucking hard? And that's mm -hmm. what Tim was saying to me. He's like, this is no fucking joke. Look, anyone can write a book, but only a few people can write a great book and only a few people can get a lot of people to read your book and take action on the book. And so are you willing to commit what it's going to take for that? And I wanted that. That was what, and I think for all of us, we have that in us. Yeah. It's just figuring when it's time and what thing it's time for. Mm. When you were writing this, how much time in a given week were you spending on your businesses and all the other, you know, things that you have going on versus your book? So the way I approached it is the way I approach all my businesses. I look for who's the best and I partner up with them. Like when I go to the hospital, I don't try to like cut my body open and then like do whatever the hell people do in the hospital that doctors do. I'm like, I go to the doctor that's recommended or I go to the doctor that has good ratings. So the same thing with the book. I went and found the best business writer of the decade and I cold emailed him on LinkedIn. I was one of these LinkedIn people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my Calendly link. <laughs> please, please have a, a call with Would me. Would you be opposed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Could we jump? Can I pick your brain? And got, you know, cold messaged him on LinkedIn, got on a phone call and convinced him of what my vision and dream was and what I think we can do with it. Gave him a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then it was more him kind of digesting my information because he's the best writer in the world. I am a great marketer and promoter mm -hmm. and I have good strategies, but I'm like a blogger and a Twitterer, and he's a great writer. So why don't I go and work with that kind of person, mm. the, the best in the world, just like I did with the proposal writer. I found James Clear's guy. Sure, sure. And that's why the book was able to sell for so well uh, to a publisher. And so with Tall, what we did, how we approached it is he took the article that went viral with Tim Ferriss, took the proposal, and then we went in the woods for a week, just two bald Jewish guides. Like we just yeah. met and it was like, let's go to Asheville, That's North Carolina. Silicon Valley shit right there. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was no Wi-Fi really. And then we were in the woods living in a house and just like for basically, I don't know, 12 hours a day, four days, just like mapping out every single chapter. Mm. And then from there, a lot of it was him. I, yeah, I, I was going to say also him getting to know you a lot more. Yeah. My, my humor. Right. He would, he would audio record everything and then transcribe it afterwards. Mm. And then he would really take first stabs at this stuff. And he would be like, no, this is bullshit. What you're seeing is actual total bullshit. Not. And it's what I appreciate is I like being with people that challenge yeah, yeah. in respectful ways. The best people I've worked with at Facebook, the best people I've worked with at AppSumo.com to this day are the people who are like, I disagree with you and respectfully, and here's why. Mm -hmm. And he would do that literally with every almost every word. And um, and so in terms of your, your question, how much time did it take? I would say the front loading to actually get the, the V1 of the book was about 12 months. And I probably spent half a day a week working on it. Okay. So he would take the majority of the heavy lifting yeah, from yeah. stories narratives what's the, like there's a lot more to think about in a book yeah i thought you just like put some pages you get chat gpt <laughs> to write some shit and anyone could do that but to get a book that people are excited right. and want to like maybe it's ghosts or whatever you want to tell someone else about is a lot more of an effort like what's the story what's the unique thing you're saying and so once that happened that was about 12 months it was about a month a chapter okay and every week i'd spend a half a day kind of editing what he would and i'd give back to him all this a google doc where it got intense for me was after he finished the first version then i took it to beta readers so we built this launch team, which has been one of the most fun parts, frankly, of, of the book process. Yeah. And I would get 20 people per chapter highlighting, what do you like most? What's boring as hell? What's confusing? Per chapter, 20 people, 10 chapters. And that was give or take maybe 14 hours a day of myself. Wow. Okay. Going through each and every almost word. We went from 65,000 <laughs> words down to around 43,000 words. Okay. Really tightening the book to be like, no one, you know, there's, there's so much the material out there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so right. much material out there. And so what's the stuff that's really, really unique and golden and smooth throughout the book? And 
It's so appreciated though, dude. Like that to me is the difference between me finishing a book and not finishing a book. Yeah. Is how much fluff is in there. When I when it's just like <laughs> when you're reading and like you're yeah. you're in one chapter and it's like you get done with the chapter and it was a forty page chapter and you're like, This chapter could have easily been twenty one pages. Yeah. Why is it forty pages? It said the same thing over and over and over yeah. and over again. And to your point, that's one reason to have the professionals involved, you know, or people that do that for a living because they can spot that. Whereas you self publish is just you kind of just do whatever you want to do. Yeah. And you I have mean, your mom read it and like, she doesn't know, you know what I mean? She did buy so. a copy barely. I was like, mom, you buy two? And she's like, no, just one. I was like, okay. <laughs> Why do I need two books? I know. And I was like, okay, I'm going to ask dad to buy another one. But yeah, I would say once we got to that first version of the draft, it was much more intense. Yeah. For about two weeks specifically, it was about 14 hour days. And my girlfriend flew in from Barcelona to be with me. And she was like, oh, you're kind of I mean, I was like, this is, there's only one, once you put the book out, it, it's there, right? It's all about telling people about the book. And I think for all of us, it's like, what's the project you're working on? And are you doing everything possible to make it great? Mm. Right. With our YouTube videos. Holy shit, man. Like we'll take the same hook. It, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes for like a five second hook mm. and no joke. Yeah. Right. Or we'll take hundreds of thumbnail photos for one thumbnail. And then they don't even use that one. Yeah, <laughs> They're like, right. we're doing it again. And so the same effort was applied to the things that matter to us, whatever that is for everyone. Maybe it's being a parent. Yeah. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's being behind the scenes in these shows, or maybe it's a book, whatever that is. And from that period is about six months of really just working with the customer. And this is kind of obvious stuff. Like, go get feedback from your customers. Like, right. what are they ignoring? What are they taking action on? And so we, I've done a lot of beta testing with them, beta testing with the chapter titles, beta testing oh, with yeah. everything, the cover, the color of the book, to be able to package a product at the back of the book to like the version we had was what we're like, okay, we'll just put something together. Mm -hmm. Then I went and worked with the beta customers, our, our beta launch team, and was like, what here stands out to you? What do you guys normally like to see? And then I went and studied all the back covers of every other most popular business book. Sure, sure. So we had them all laid out and you could actually understand like, okay, James Clear did this over here. Tim Ferriss did this over here. Mark Manson did that over here. Yeah. Ryan Holiday does it this way. What's my way? What's the Travis way? What's no, and we all yeah. figured out, but kind of working backwards from what's the best or working with the best. And then what does your customers yeah. actually get excited and read? So one of the readers, the beta readers of here, I actually put him at the top of the book. Oh, nice. This is a guy who's read Pat. He's a customer support guy in Poland. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and, that's super cool. And now he has a YouTube uh, business doing YouTube optimizations nice. and editing and things like that after reading the book. Oh, and he's super fan, obviously, at he's that point. Like, the best, people wonder, how do you get status, right? Mm -hmm. Or how do you get attention? Influence. It, it's influence, but I'd say it's because you've influenced their lives in some positive thing. Yeah, no, I was saying like, yeah, like, like uh, attention or influence, like all these things stem as a direct result of value that's so, to their to their life because no one cares right. about travis or no they care right. about their problem and so have you done something maybe it's a book recommendation maybe it's not ghost recommendation <laughs> you know maybe it, it's something where that they've taken away something for themselves and they're like i believe this person right they've gotten something even if it's just entertainment yeah they had fun they smiled at you. right exactly exactly you can entertain somebody you can add something to their life that that will over time compound into influence or attention yeah, and yeah, and it so it's be very been, helpful as you're launching a book as well. Yeah, it's been it's interesting because I come from Silicon Valley. Like I was, I was just born there. It's totally lucky. Yeah, totally lucky. And it's like, how do you apply these some of the principles from these elite people in just other aspects of businesses? And so it's like you can apply a lot of that into a book, which is like, how do you test things? Can you test your title? Can you test the cover colors? Can you test what it looks like uh, online? Yes, mm -hmm. you can. And then you can also go to customers and get beta feedback. And then actually improve your things like that. And that, that can apply whether you're a, a, a basement business, a plumber business, whether you're doing a service business, it's, it's applicable in all these businesses. Being born in Silicon Valley, was it kind of, was entrepreneurship always the choice for you? <laughs> like, or, or was there like, I'm going to go do this other path? 
and then entrepreneurship just kind of found its way toward you. I always wanted to be rich. Mm. Like I, when I was, a, I think it's always fascinating when you go online, you go to YouTube, what's the thing you search? Or for me as a kid, I'd go to the magazine rack and I'd go to like Forbes mm -hmm. and Fortune and like mm -hmm. Red, I don't know if Red Herring was still around, Fast Company, these things. Entrepreneur. Yeah. And I always read them and I'm like, man, being rich is so cool, but I just didn't know how to get rich. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to be a part of it. What did your parents do? My stepfather is an engineer. Okay. My mom's a nurse. And then my biological dad sold copiers door to door. Okay. So in, but you, but all in like the Bay Area. Yeah. Yours where you grew up. Yeah. And so I think most of us are, are raised with, you know, safe parents, mm -hmm. middle class or, or lower income class. And it's like, okay, I'm going to be in that class. And that's just where I'm going to stay. And I was like, I, I don't know. I think there's going to be another way. Mm. And I just didn't know if there was, how do you get that other way? So when I, when I went to college, I was always trying businesses. Yeah. I was always swinging. I think this is such an important thing for everyone out there. Like get going right now. Like the number one takeaway from Million Dollar Weekend is now not how. Mm -hmm. Number one takeaway by far. We survey every person after they read the book in our beta group. Number one thing. And I was just swinging a lot. And the most successful people swing a lot. You've done a thousand episodes. Most people quit at one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so just swing, go and have like, go do stuff no matter what, just stay at it. You know, everyone has a weekend to go change their life. And so I was trying all these things. And when I was graduating, I was like, how did everyone figure out what the fuck to do for a living? Yeah. Like, was there a class I missed that was supposed <laughs> to tell me like, hey, like you're you're destined for this. I was like, I just wanted to be an entrepreneur and rich, but I don't know where to go. So my, I was literally going to go be a website manager for Wells Fargo. Oh, sweet. That's Dude, a dream. That, and you have to, you had to wear business casual clothing and go to some office. What, what was your major? I was an economics and business double major at Cal. Okay. At, at, at Cal? At UC Berkeley, yeah. And even that I barely got into. And I, I loved it. It was amazing. It was a great opportunity. I just didn't know what to do afterwards. And I didn't yeah. know how others figured it out. And you figure it out by just doing things. Mm -hmm. Find out what you don't like. Like I built games for years and I, I hated that shit. <laughs> I did payments companies for years. Hated that too. You know, I worked for other people. I was like, well, I kept getting fired. So that's not working. <laughs> and, but by doing these things, it eventually led me around 30 to be like, okay, I've got, let me start looking through what's the, what's the threat of all the things going down. But yeah, I ended up getting a job at Intel, which was just horrible. It was just like, it sucked. It was just like, I never want to be a desk life. I never yeah. wanted that desk life. But where did Facebook come in Facebook, on, that, on that timeline? Yeah, man, Facebook came in. So I was at Intel and I, I kept starting things on the side. So for me, I didn't have, the, I don't even think there was Twitter or Facebook really Facebook just yeah. got started. There was no Instagram. There was, was like no 2008 WhatsApp. 2008 or something? No, 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 2004. 2004. Like, dude, before you were born. What, was Facebook even? <laughs> you know, like before. <laughs> was Facebook around in 2004? Like Travis. Yeah. Facebook came out in 2004. I was an RA. Like I was the person running in the dorms. Okay. And so I was on Friendster. Nice. And I, I've gotten to become good friends with the founder of that, Jonathan Abrams. And I was on that and I was like, this is cool. This is like a thing to connect. And all the people in the dorms were like, you got to get on Facebook. Hmm. I was like, ah, what do you mean? Facebook? And so I got on and I was like, oh, this is great. You can like message people and you can do all these things. And I, I saw it, it was going to be big. And so at Intel, I, I kept swinging. So what does that mean specifically? Just to yeah. give people specific examples. Like I, I didn't do shit at Intel for clarification. I was a supply chain optimizer. So what that means is I, I looked at spreadsheets and I just hit a few buttons because I set up macros, meaning automations. And I didn't do anything all day. Like I slept at my desk. I like basically figured out how to pretend like I was working without actually having to do shit. So that yeah. gave me time to work on side hustles. So I was doing networking events. So there we go. I just started asking, yeah, built a network. I started just asking the smartest person I knew who's a person in the Bay Area I should meet. So I asked this woman who I interned, I interned at Microsoft. So I asked Clara Shee, who's now a CEO at Salesforce, which is fucking crazy. Wow. I was like, who's a smart person you know? Because I met her randomly. She's like, oh, meet this Ramit Sethi guy. And I was like, okay, I'll go meet him. So I, I went out to lunch for him. 
And then I asked other people that same question, like who's the coolest or smartest, most interesting person you should know? And I would just take them out to lunch or I'd bring them together. Yeah. Then I got to meet Blake Ross, the creator of Firefox. I got to meet Dalton Codwell. He's now a YC Combinator president. And that was just from before they were even big. It was just asking people that question. Mm -hmm. And then I said, I, I kind of like doing this. Let me put on events. So I, I was like, I'm going to create a conference. I've never created one of those. Yeah. And so I created a, a conference community next. And I just made it the way I wanted. I had basically like Hawaiian food. We had free Red Bull, free alcohol. And I invited all the speakers I, I wanted. Never did that before. Never. But it was just kind of swinging. Yeah, yeah. And doing it very cheap and very fast to see if it's something people wanted. And that's something that still teaches and I still use this day. But by doing that and then also creating websites, I created a lot of things that no one's ever used or seen. Like comegetused.com. Uh, <laughs> comegetused.com. It was a used book exchange. Oh, okay. No one used that. <clears throat> It could, uh, well, actually, been, so, it could have easily been a porn site. It could be. It sounds, it sounds like that. But it, it, people used it in college and that died <laughs> off. And then I did ninjacard.com, which was a discount card. Then I did collegeup.org, which was a college site, Craigslist for college students. Okay. Then I did HFG Consulting, which was college marketing for local business. So all these things I kept doing. And I was going to quit Intel because I was like, I can't do this anymore. Hmm. And randomly I saw on Facebook because I was using it all the time. And I think the best companies to go work for are the ones you use. Yeah, sure. Like the best problems to solve are your own. Right. It's just like, why not work on something you're excited to spend your days on? And I saw they had a job opening and I applied cold. I didn't have any special privileges or access. And what I did differently, and I did that at Facebook and I did it at Mint, and it's how I've hired to what I believe the best people, the best people today, the easiest way to hire the best people is just look for the one person who's doing a little bit extra. And so when I applied for Facebook, I, I did a lot of mock-ups and I said, here's your site, but here's where I'm noticing problems. And so when I submitted my application, I had all these mock-ups of, because I've been doing web stuff, like here's what I would change on your site. Yeah. Yeah. So just a little bit more helped me stand out. And that's how I got to you know, work directly for Zuckerberg, meet Dustin Moskovitz, Sean Parker, Peter Thiel, all these people. Yeah. You, you were like first 20, 25? Yeah. Number 30. Number yeah. 30. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, it was just for anyone out there. And you shipped the status update. Status right? update, Facebook ads, Facebook mobile. So just a couple of things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They've done pretty well. And it, it, you know, there's been around exceptional people like Mark Slee sure. is exceptional. Naomi Glide, who's now a VP there, Box. His name is Bosworth. He's VP of, I think he runs Oculus. Chris Cox. Oh, wow. He's now the CEO, CTO. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So just like, you know, I was around yeah. like pretty impressive people. Well, it says a lot that a lot of those people stuck with it through the entire expansion too, to keep, to retain that type of talent, Yeah, you know, where they, they probably could have their, they could be the bell of the ball in any other yeah. company. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters 
is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. When you look at like, I mean, you have Charlie Cheever and Adam D'Angelo went and started Quora. Yeah, Dustin, Va- Dustin Makovitz started Asana. Noah yeah. Kagan started AppSumo.com. Yeah. <laughs> shimmy, shimmy the there. One and yeah, and you know, YouTube star. <laughs> you know, just different people. And I think that's one of the things I've learned through talking with billionaires and millionaires on my YouTube channel as well as running my own business now for 14 years. Yeah. Is like if you can retain top talent and make it exciting for them to stay, there's an advantage in that. Hmm. There's just a real advantage in just having people want to be a part of it. They have their own successes, so they're getting everything they want out of life. And right. that's definitely something Mark did, and I've been able to replicate that with AppSumo. Okay, so you're working at Facebook. You enjoy it. Seemingly, everything's going well. Why leave? I got fired. Okay. I didn't want to leave. Okay. But I, I did. I was frustrated there. Like I have, I was using a. You remember Blogger.com? No. Holy fuck, I'm old. So Blogger.com was like the original, like one of the original blogging websites, like the yeah. WordPress or Twitter. Okay. It was like super old school. Mm-hmm. And I read, and I read my old journals, and I was frustrated going to meetings where there was just like a lot of discussions. I was mm-hmm. like, can we just go build stuff and make things? And when I started, it was like that. And as you get larger in a company, you work for a company. And, and the risk of not being an entrepreneur is you have zero control. Yeah. And I found that out very quickly when they fired my ass. And they, that was the right decision at that time. And it, it led me in my own path. But you don't have any control unless you have your own business. Yeah. And a lot of people at AppSumo.com to this day have great jobs that I think they like. That's what it seems like at AppSumo. And sure. they have their own businesses. Like mm-hmm. Annie has a flower shop and a hair salon. Yeah. Nick has teeth whitening. Annie has a marketing agency. Omen has and his wife have a facial studio. Yeah, yeah like yeah. a lot of people on YouTube have side hustles and freelancing. And so, for me, with with the time at Facebook, I was like, I just don't want to be an employee of Mark, and it's Mark's business. Mm-hmm. And Mark told me he sat me down one day and he's like, he had like a sword. He would carry around a sword. It's fucking weird. The guy's weird. He's a genius, but weird. <laughs> well, I mean, all, aren't all geniuses weird? They like, are. It's kind of the mark of being a genius is that you're kind of a little weird. They are. I worked at Microsoft. I got to meet, spend time with Bill Gates. He's weird. Yeah, you know, there's, there's got to be <laughs> Peter Thiel. I had dinner with him. He's weird and, and very very bright. Yep. And for me, I just was like, ah, there's something that didn't feel right. But oh, it was... yeah, Mark, sat, you said Mark sat you down with a sword. Yeah, so he sat me down with a sword and he's like, you need to decide whether you want to be a part of Facebook or the Noah Kagan show. Mm. Because for me, I was still blogging. I was still blogging on yeah, okdork.com. Yeah. I was still creating these events. Mm-hmm. I, I was proud of what I was doing and I loved what I was doing, but I, I still had my own desire for for my own thing. Yeah. And he basically wanted your identity to be uh, identity to be wrapped up in Facebook, not. Yeah, there's no Noah Kagan. It's just Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. Sure. And that's just something that that it just didn't align with what I really wanted long term. But like they made the choice for me. And that that's one of the hardest things in life is when you don't get to make the choice. Mm. Yeah. Like if a girl dumps you, but you were going to break up with them, you're still frustrated. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, man, I was going to do it. But the, right. and so I think not. I think with entrepreneurship, you have that ability to make these decisions. Sure. And so, yeah, they, they fired my ass and it was still probably the worst day of my life, the top 10, top yeah. five worst days of my life. And it was it was a frustrating journey yeah. from there for the next maybe six years, five, six years to find myself. Okay. So what did you do to do that? I grasped and I chased and I was angry. You're, you're 
30? No, no, 24, 25. Oh, okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, I was so just out of college. Before, okay. So like, you know, most of my 20s, I was really bitter. And I was just trying to like, you know, like all of us, we're trying to figure out, we're on a planet in space. Right, right. I don't know if anyone else thinks about that. I wear it all the time. <laughs> I'm like we're playing in space and doing the and we have we've created amazing things like these microphones and not this this drink but like this book these cameras this YouTube world this Twitter world. like we created some cool ass stuff and so I just tried a lot of things I tried a lot I I taught business in Korea hmm. I worked on like scanner.com s-e-a-n-r.com I tried creating more conferences I created like different networking events and it was just trying so many different things I went and helped start mint.com okay which was a pretty popular personal finance website. Mm -hmm. I was just like trying all these things to eventually have my own business and eventually have my own freedom. Got it. And I wanted to make 3000 bucks a month. I was like, if I can get my own business going, it was just a long journey of, of and also trying to, how do we embrace who we actually are? Find out who we actually are and then embrace it. So True. much of our lives are like, I'm not good at this shit. Yeah. I'm not good at this shit, but I'm supposed to fix it. Or it's, it's like, no, maybe what are you good at? And how do you embrace that? How do yeah. you lean into the things you actually enjoy? And so it finally led to a lot of different things. And eventually I was like, I like marketing. I like products. Like I love, I like software stuff. I love good prices. <laughs> mm. To this day, I still love good prices. And like we had breakfast today at the airport and they had a, it was a breakfast sandwich, $15. And so me and Isaac split it. I was like, Dude, I, <laughs> I don't think we can do a $15 sandwich for one person. And justify that. Yeah. It's like all these things led up to me finally around 30, starting AppSumo.com, which was a combination of, and learning from all these different things. Like how do I figure out how to get customers? How do I figure out how to do marketing? How do I figure out how to enjoy the work I, I want to do in the way I want? Yeah. And that 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 took me years to be able to figure out and now feel comfortable to also share with others. Yeah. Were you were you coding the early stages yeah. of AppSumo? Yeah. Okay. But even let me clarify what coding. And I literally just looked up our first site. And this is something I, I teach in Million Dollar Weekend and I've seen the results. So when I started AppSumo, I had a website. It took me four hours and that was it was too long. That had a PayPal button. So now today you don't even need anything. You don't even need a website to start almost every business. On the website, you hit PayPal, you send me $12, and I'd manually email you the code for the software. AppSumo.com is software deals, it's software deals for entrepreneurs. And I would just manually email the code. And because I found the because the business worked, then I went and invested in like, all right, maybe I should have a WordPress site yeah. and then customize it from there. And then maybe I should get a developer. But what most people do wrong, they're like, I need a website. A bloated I need a MVP. Yeah. And but yeah. here's the thing. This is the craziest part about what I'm saying. Everyone who does that, <laughs> this building all the website shit and hiring the people, they're like, Yeah, I know, but I'm different and I need to do it. And I'm like, okay, buddy. Mm. Good luck. And I, maybe it can work, but there's also a different path yeah. that I find that I did with AppSumo and I've seen a lot of people do it and I've done it with other businesses to find out if people want it and then start investing. Yeah. It's such an important step. But everyone you just, just like, be shit. so far down the oh, rabbit man. hole. It's and then you launch something and then it doesn't get any traction. And yeah. now you're in two hundred grand and nine months of time and you're not as nimble. You can't make as many changes. You have this kind of, you know, tail wagging the dog effect, the sunk cost fallacy that's keeping you in the Dude. project when it shouldn't be. Oh, are you speaking from you experience? Know. Did you have yeah. one of these? I sure did, yeah. Well, what's this? <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a company called Guestio. We do we place guests on podcasts and we so we connect podcasters with guests and guests with podcasters so it still runs this day and it's just the majority of it now is in our agency so we have an agency that that books people on podcasts for you know book tours or for you know their business to promote their things or whatever because we think podcasts are better than traditional media at this point for those okay. uh, types of uh, products and so we we make those connections everything happens so when i launched the first version of guestio it was an it was an overloaded mvp and I had raised some seed capital for it, and which which at the time I thought was awesome, but in retrospect <laughs> it was like it didn't need that much, you know. So I overraised a little bit, which 
isn't the problem that most people run into. Most people have a lack of cash. I had abundance of cash. And so we were just like, oh, we don't want to launch. Well, if we launch, we wanted to have that feature and then let's build in that thing as well. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, we launched a bloated MVP. It's probably like three, four years ago. And it was a punch in the face because like we launched it. And then within like 30 days, there was one feature that I was just like, we have to have that. And within 30 days, we just like just tabled the whole thing because yeah. people because people started using it and they're like, oh, I actually don't like this particular thing. And, you know, I'm not going to use it because it has that thing in it. And I was just like, oh, well, I guess yeah. we got to scrap that. You know what I mean? We could have just done something way leaner. So luckily we figured it out and I did six years of door to door sales. So rejection isn't new to <laughs> me. So figured out some ways around it. And then we kind of pivoted into more like, you know, managed services rather than like pure low ticket software. Totally. Um, the company's still running today and does well, but you know, it was definitely a big lesson. What, uh, what blows people mind, which is interesting about what you're saying, and this is what everyone has, maybe you have to go through it. So if you're out there and you have a great idea, maybe it's for AI software, maybe it's for certain things, try it your way Yeah. and go spend nine months and all this money. But what's crazy is most people, what stops people, most people from becoming a millionaire is that they never make $1. Oh man. Yeah. And so what's crazy with AppSumo.com, which I started for $48 in a weekend, is that now today we'll do $200,000 today. Yeah today, which is insane to me, yeah. right? Like this year we'll do about $80 million top line revenue, which is unbelievable. And that all started from a PayPal button right. and, a, and an email that I sent with no coding, no other people, no one, and one $12 sale. Where'd right? you get the traffic back then? The traffic for that one specifically, and all businesses is three W's. That's all businesses. It's like, what's the problem you're solving that people actually give a shit about? Who are they and where are they? Hmm. That's it. We overcomplicate so much of business and that's why I, I tell people to do it in a weekend. Because look, everyone's busy. They got already got a lot of things going on. So how do you do it with very limited amounts of time? And so with AppSumo.com, I like solving my own problems, which I already said, I like marketing. I like software products. I like good prices. And I was like, where are there people that have that problem? And it was on reddit.com. I'm a huge Redditor, still use Reddit all the time. And I just noticed there was a product, Imgur, which is a oh, photo yeah. hosting. Remember mm -hmm. Imgur? Yep, yep. They had, I saw that being used on Reddit and I saw that they had a pro version. I was like, oh, maybe I can see if I, they'll give me a deal on it and then I'll just promote it on Reddit. I'll tell you, hey, Redditors, like, I got a deal on this for a limited time yeah. and I'll see if people want it. And so I cold emailed Alan Schaff at Imgur. He was a college student at Ohio. And I, and I just emailed him. I said, hey, I want to promote it. I'll pay you $7 it and I'll promote it on Reddit and get you a bunch of customers and other places if I can. Yeah. And there's no downside. There's no cost room. Yeah. There's no downside. I told him what I would outcome. I always think this phrase whiffed what's in it for him. Mm -hmm. You're in sales. You know about this. So what's in it for them or what's in it for him? He said, sure. He, I'll just, I'll pay you. I told him I pay him $7 for every sale. So for me, I thought, all right, now I have that. Let me go post it on Reddit. Let me just say like, Hey, I got this deal. Right. I also cold emailed the founders of Reddit and asked for free ads. They, oh, really? Yeah. Just asked them. <laughs> like one of the things in the book that most people struggle with and you you've had practice with but it's probably one of the most important parts of entrepreneurship is asking making the ask just making the ask and practicing the ask like i'm, I'm famous for this coffee challenge have yeah you ever, the 10 percent. Yeah, you yeah. ask for 10 percent off when you go and get coffee but frankly anything if you buy don't buy this stuff but if you bought if you're buying dinners if you're buying lunches if you're doing it just go ask for something and the reality is when you get the rejection they're like oh it's not so bad mm -hmm. and then you start also feeling good about yourself you're like i did something I'm, i was afraid of and i can overcome it and i have courage yeah and, and the worst case scenario happened, which is I didn't get it. And the best and case like, scenario. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? They said no. Yeah. And like, I still got my coffee and walked out. Totally. And my day has not changed at all. <laughs> yeah. People don't ask for things and they don't get the things. Mm -hmm. Like most people get what they get. They don't get what they want. And the only way to get what you want is you have to ask for it. Yeah. Most people hope and they wish and they pray. Yeah. And that just doesn't work. 
you have to get what you want and to do it you have to ask and it's a practice it's not something that i'm like you know even you i'm sure you get afraid sometimes to ask oh for sure and it's something that you do it and then you overcome it and you keep practicing it gets easier and so i asked them for free ads put it on the site had the button people came to appsigma.com you can go to archive.org and see it people button send it made 12 dollars. i sold 200 of them so wow. it's pretty cool made a thousand bucks profit in a very short amount of time and i was like huh this is one of the first things i've done where people were like very excited yeah i had the same problem where i the problem I was excited to solve was how to help people promote their software. Mm -hmm. And I tried other businesses to do it. And this is the thing that's so important for people starting businesses out there. Whatever kind of business, you have to be starting. Hmm. You have to start right now. So I started a software review site called softwaretaco.com. No one went. And then I started rewardlevel.com. I can't even explain it. I don't even know what we really did. <laughs> but no a one, slight problem. I yeah. mean, we got like some sponsorships. Like I got, I got Shopify to sponsor. Like they were friends of ours. They were kind of sponsoring, but didn't really work. It's like, okay. And then I tried AppSumo and I was like, this has worked and I didn't really have to sell anybody. I didn't have to convince anybody. This yeah. is working. So it's like, oh, there's something here with that. And so how do you find these things in a very Real short amount of time? Fit. Yeah. And then by trying though, by starting and experimenting, failing, and like this is not working, but what did I learn? This is not working, what did I learn? As an experimenter, as a scientist of right. sorts, which everyone can be, eventually led me though. Most people right. are waiting to research for money, for the founder, for the great idea. Yep. There's no great ideas. There's just great execution. Yeah. Well, on this chat so far, you've mentioned like 18 different things that you did from the time that you were 20 until <laughs> the time that you were 30 before you started AppSumo. You know what I mean? But like, so I think something there's something to be said too for like the, the time compression. When you do that much activity in that short of a period of time, the feedback loop is, is shorter. Yes. You know what I mean? Like when you're spreading out opportunities and it's just like, well, it takes you another 12 months to get the next idea out, another 18 months to get this idea out. And you multiply that over to, over... 30 years, it's like, well, you maybe you maybe tried the same 18 things over a 25 year horizon instead of a five to seven year horizon. It's like the, the, the feedback is so much. That's why I tell people when they're starting podcasts, I'm like, try to do three interviews a week. If you're going to do an interview, do three interviews because you're going to learn how to interview people so much faster if you can just shrink the period of time in between feedback points. Yeah. Because that like, it's not only increased volume, but it's it's you know shorter time until you learn something new again, yeah. and that keeps the momentum of growth like exciting and fresh. You know, even in the midst of getting punched in the face from like failure after failure after failure. You know, but then you eventually start something and gets that kind of traction, which is like somebody say like, how do I know if I've achieved mar product market fit? And I forget where it was. It was somebody I wish I give them credit for, but they were just like, if you have to ask that question, then you haven't found it. Yeah. You know, and it was like that's one of those things where like this this worked yeah. i did very minimal work and did a thousand dollars profit in a single day that's probably a sign that we yeah. should keep doing this we made a thousand dollars profit it wasn't a single day i think it was over a few days after we launched it okay. the other the other thing that's fascinating is the most successful people also have the most failures mm. yeah like look look at the people who are like wow this person's really done something i'm admiring or i want to do ask them all the things they tried before that like i talked to ali abdal yesterday Super popular YouTuber, amazing guy. I love his content. Mm -hmm. Feel Good Productivity, his book. I recommend that for productivity. He started businesses at 13. All the way up to around 24, right? Yeah. He had some stuff at 19 that did okay. But at 24, he finally was like, huh, let me do this YouTube thing because I want to promote one of my businesses. Swinging and yeah. swinging and swinging and starting and starting and starting. And eventually being in it yeah. led to the part where that this action built confidence, where that action and those results led him to be able to have the YouTube channel, which worked, and now at 29, know, makes a few million dollars a year. Yeah, you know, traveling the world and just talking about cool things that he likes. Yeah, which is not a bad, not a bad gig. That's what yeah. everyone should be striving for. Everyone should be striving. Should and I'll say the should word. 
to just live the life you want to live. Yes. And being an entrepreneur creates that opportunity. Like I can come hang out with you for the day. Yep. I can go work from Barcelona for which I did half of this year mm. where I found my girlfriend. And it's like, what a cool life. And that's available for everyone. It's not some exclusive guru thing. Right. Like everyone's here and doesn't want to be like, guess what? You can do, you can get closer to where you want to be much more than you realize. You but do. you have to start. You have to start. So you used a phrase, a phrase earlier that I'm going to steal and start using a lot yeah. because I really liked it. You said that's one of the that's one of the risks of not being an entrepreneur is that you when you're talking about Zuckerberg and him fire and, and ultimately Facebook yeah. firing you is the, like because most people I like that reframe because most people think that entrepreneurship is the risk and that having a job is not the risk. But you used the phrase in the opposite, which is like that's one <laughs> of the risks. And you said it so just like in the middle of your conversation, yeah. it speaks to like the world you've created for yourself, which is you and a bunch of other entrepreneurs doing entrepreneur stuff. But I think for most people, they look at it as like not even close to the same thing. Like you're you're saying that it's more of a risk to not be an entrepreneur, like you're out of your mind. So if that's one of the <laughs> things, what are some other risks of not being an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think it's risky to have a day job. Mm -hmm. I think it's risky to be 60 years old and say, what if? It is. I, I met this I guy. That one. Yeah. yeah, I met this guy, Jake, recently. And he he said, I've had the same business idea for two years. And it, um, he's got three kids, he's got a day job, he's got his own life, and it doesn't have a lot of time. So he, actually, this was a crazy experience. He came and lived with me. Really? <laughs> yeah, a month ago. And it was like, okay, let's at least give you that opportunity to do the thing. And he's like, shit, I, could, I didn't realize I could have done all this and found out in 48 hours. And it was risky, mm. and he wanted to lead by example for his children. Yeah. I was like, damn, that's good, dude. That's yeah. what, you know, especially as a parent yourself. And so I found it risky that I don't have control over my life. Yeah. I found it risky that I have a day job where I didn't want to show up every day. And what that means doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire today, mm -hmm. but it means you can start to lead yourself to that place. And by the way, it doesn't have to be be a millionaire. Being a millionaire is great, by the way. I do lie. I do recommend it. <laughs> yeah. I do recommend it for everyone out there. But it could be just you want some creativity. Yeah. And your risk is that you don't get any of that in your day job. It doesn't mean you have to be rich, but you can make some grocery money and you can do all that and do it in a weekend, which is available. I think other risks, I mean, really, it's just not living the life you want. Yeah. And that's scary. And that's the hard part. And the thing with entrepreneurship, it doesn't have to be some big, oh, like Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. He's like, you jump off the cliff and then you get build the parachute on the way. I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> why don't you get a parachute? And or I wouldn't want to jump off a cliff to begin with. Let's just start there. Unless it's like a shallow one and there's like water below. And so I've never yeah. taken a big risk starting my business. And all of them have started for almost no money. Mm. Didn't spend a lot of time. Didn't spend a lot of money. So when I started Kickflip and Gambit, which was games and payments for games, I did it while I was working at Mint.com. And then when I started AppSumo.com, which is now an $80 million a year business, which yeah. is crazy. By the way, it's crazy to me how well how well it's grown. And we can talk about in the book how, how that happened. Was something I did while I was consulting at Speed Date. I was working on a dating website. Mm. I was doing product management. So while I had time on the weekend, I was like, oh, well, I've always wanted to solve problems for marketing and startups and saving money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't spend a lot of money and I didn't have to take a risk where I think people think, oh, it's this big, scary thing. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they kind of... Well, if you're not purposely seeking out, you know, connecting with stories of entrepreneurs, then you only hear what like big media tells you and big media is only covering the outsized results opportunity or they're only talking about the Zuckerbergs or the, or the Musks or the Reed Hoffmans. They're only talking about like this kid started this thing and yeah. now it's worth $3 billion or whatever. Like they're only talking about those. So people tend to like, if they, if they don't actively seek out a crowd of entrepreneurs or relationships with people who've walked that path, they just think that that's it. You know, like <laughs> it's either I work my job or I got to go do this insanely risky thing. That's either going to be bankrupt yeah. in a year and a half, or it's going to make me a billion dollars. It's like, there is 
so much like space in between like $0 in revenue in your business and a hundred million in revenue in your business. And a lot of people exist in this like 500,000 a year to 5 million a year space that still gives you freedom. It still gives you opportunity to live the life that you want to live. It still gives you control over your, you know, schedule and it's way less risky, like insanely, like it's like plumbing. (laughs) It's like air conditioning. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's not all this, you know, you get you get one shot at this, and if you don't, like your family's going to be homeless. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to be able to feed your kids. I think risky is you know getting to a point where you don't have the choice to be able to spend time with your kids if you want. Yes, and I like I you know ideally in the future I like to be a parent. I want to have the ability, and as an entrepreneur, you do. But like I want to choose how I spend my day. So even now at AppSumo, I don't do meetings before noon. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to do anything. I want to have my mornings free. Maybe I want to work. Maybe I'll open a meeting. But otherwise, the meeting no one does anything for me. It's not that I'm too good, but it's like, this sure. is what I, I can choose. So I've designed my life. And that's available for everyone. Right. But it does take time and you do have to start. And I made $12 day one. Right. You know, and 14 years later, yes, now it's definitely able to have that. And there's like a chief of staff and there's a COO who runs the day to day. These things happen, but it didn't happen right away. Like even YouTube on the drive here, I was watching. I like watching my videos. <laughs> and uh, you should be proud of the work you make. Sure, be proud yeah. of your work, especially if you worked hard on if it. If you can't consume your own product, then, you know. Yeah. How can you expect others? And I think I agree with you. I, I love this book. I had to read the audiobook. I was like, pretty good job, Noah. I'm <laughs> yeah. proud of you when I did the this audiobook. Is, this is good. And I was watching my first YouTube video, one of the first YouTube videos three years ago. And I literally just got off a bicycle in my in my house. It was an 800 square foot house, this piece of shit. And I it was sweaty. And I was just watching the drive here. And I was like, wow, I just started posting a video with my phone. I was sweaty talking about how during COVID, here's exactly what I'm doing with my cash. And a few hundred people watched it, not a ton. And I was like, oh, I like this. I'm just going to keep sticking with it. Yeah, yeah. And then that's led now to, you know, a million subscribers. There's a team we spend, I invest, aka lose, a quarter million dollars a year on yeah. the team because I do believe long term there's going to be value around that. But that just started with me shirtless, sweaty after bicycling in my room with my phone, which is available to everyone. Yeah. And didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a fancy camera, any of this kind of stuff. Right. Which is really the ethos of the book. That's exactly what we're it's teaching in like, the book. Regardless of what it is, if it's a YouTube channel, if it's plumbing, if it's a software, if it's a website, just take a small amount of action this weekend and see what happens. Yeah. Do something. Like yeah. In the absence, so I like the, the the quote, in the absence of clarity, take action. Mm, so many like people that think that it's like the opposite. They think that you need like rigid clarity before you can take any action toward the result. It's like, well, how, am I, how do I know what I'm going to go for? And it's like, well, sometimes... The action is what provides the clarity. You're yeah. not going to know unless you take a step in that direction. You're like, actually, that sucked. I didn't like that. Let's go this other direction. But if you just sit there, then you'll never get any clarity yeah. because you never understand fully what it is you actually want out of the pursuit that you're deciding totally. to go after, which is you something I spend a lot of time thinking about. Yeah. I mean, I, let's say someone wants to cook well. You can only watch so many YouTube videos on cooking. You eventually have to get in the kitchen. Yeah. And so don't make it. I, I, what happens to a lot of people is they don't feel ready. Mm-hmm. don't have money. I don't have these things. It's like, well, let's make it, let's break it down to smaller elements. Let's think about, hey, is this a market size that's big? We talked about AppSumo. Part of the reason it's now become almost 100 million revenue business a year is because wow. we picked a good market. And we talk about that and I walk through people like how to pick markets. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be some giant thing, but it's like, all right, what's the smallest thing I can do to maybe even get feedback? Hey, I have this idea. For example, I'll give you an idea of something I want. One of the software products, I hate paying subscriptions. That's literally why we have AppSumo.com. Mm-hmm. It's software tools without subscriptions for solopreneurs. And one of the tools I hate paying for is DocuSign, hmm. right? So just to give as an example, 
I don't know. You guys like paint? You use DocuSign or EchoSign or one? Uh, yeah, Dropbox. Hello, Hello sign. Yeah, yeah. Dropbox. Oh my god, dude! I, even though I'm a multi, like I still like hate the subscription. Hello, sign. You get three free ones. I use Hello, yeah. sign. I just create new accounts instead of doing it. It's just really pathetic, actually. <laughs> you know, and that's a whole thing about probably there's certain things I should spend better time on and just pay for it. And instead, though, I'm like, okay, that's a product that maybe we can promote on AppSumo mm. and sell it, and it could be a seven-figure million-dollar business. Mm. So instead of building a lot of things, how could I find out today? So what I could find out today is I could put out a tweet. I could message a few friends. I could ask people like you, hey, do you want to pay me right now? for a DocuSign alternative. I'm going to build it. It's going to take me a few months, but let me go validate if this is actually something people really want. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we do in chapter two, which is like, what are problems and things you have and we have different ways to come up with ideas. Make sure there's a million dollar opportunity. Making sure like, if you're going to work hard, make sure there's a million dollars that you can make in it. Yeah. Make, double check your business model, the one minute business model. And then let's go actually get some feedback to see if real people within your zones of influence want to buy this stuff. Yeah. And then later down the road, yes, I can show you how we've now run a, a sizable business. Sure. But it's now within a day, I can find out if this is a product people want. Because I've done it the other way, sounds like you, where I spent six months building a product for Disney. We didn't have an agreement. And then I went to them and they're like, yeah, you know, it's just something, it's not really a priority, but feel free to come back to us. Right? Was, and that's a common thing, no matter what kind of business you're in, versus you could find out right away, like, put down a deposit, put down a payment, I'll refund it. Hey, why don't you pre-order it? Whatever it is. And there's other ways of validating, but that's definitely the one I think is the most effective. Like, let me find out if I can get a real customer right now today which doesn't make it such a scary thing to then start and be like, oh shit, I can actually now go build it and I have real customers. We've talked a lot about <clears throat> your knowledge base here. We've mentioned a couple of the relationships you've had, but since this is Travis Makes Friends podcast, I do like to talk a little bit about your kind of overarching philosophy about the relationships that you keep in your life. And the question that I've now asked, I don't know, five, 600 people is, is who you know or what you know, which one of those is more important and why? Oh, who? Yeah, that's not even a question. Why, why do you think? Yeah, there's just so much more smarter people than me out there. Hmm. Like I've been very, I think one of my skills is finding smart people. Yeah. And looking for the, one of the things I, I you know, I teach in Million Dollar Weekend is how do you find them early? Like almost, I don't want to say 99%, but a lot of my net worth, a lot, like big numbers. And I'll walk through some examples just because of who I know. Some examples of, of how people can copy that to be very clear is how do you hire elite advisors to support you in your journey? Because a lot of times, like, look, if you hit me up and be like, can you do marketing? I'm like, no. Like, I have I have my family, yep. I have my work, and then I have my own projects that I'm doing. And so it has to be significant. If you hit me up and you say, hey, I'll pay $10,000 for an hour, yeah, I'll probably talk to you. And that is what I do with the lead advisors. And so every single person in our executive team at AppSumo, finance, people team, revenue team, operations person, they all have an elite advisor. And then I have my own elite advisors. So I have, Interesting. Uh, and I pay them a lot <clears throat> per hour. And you don't have to do that to begin with. Sure. But that's a way of getting a 10,000 hour person for a very affordable price. So I have Moody Glasgow, CMO of Zapier, CMO of Glassdoor.com, VP Marketing at Executive Arts, the EA game mm -hmm. company. Mm -hmm. So he is an advisor. I get to talk with him every week. Yeah. And he basically tells me all the things that I don't want to hear. <laughs> that's the part that's also interesting. It's yeah. like a lot of that when you get around who you know, it's, oh, it's like, oh, you want to do this? Damn, that's not what I was going to do. It's like, yeah, that's why you're around. Yeah. Right. And I, there's just so many people in my life. It's noticing what I'm good at, which is starting, which is promoting, which is marketing, and then supporting myself around people that have other advantages and where I'm not. Maybe it's operational. So I have the yeah. GM of Indeed, Indeed.com, the yeah. recruiting software. Rajatish Mukherjee, he gives me like a lot more organizational thought. Mm -hmm. He runs a 2,000-person org. Yeah. Andrew Chen, one of my best friends, early advisor at AppSumo. He's a VC at Andreessen Horowitz. Mm -hmm. So he's a lot more like, hey, you're not a billion-dollar company. You're failing, which 
sometimes yeah. I'm like, chill out, dude. <laughs> you know, but he's really thinking, how are we scaling? We're not scaling fast enough. We're going to lose. And so it's, it's balancing that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is, you know, can you find people? And I didn't have an advantage with that. I just had a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I can pay you to talk with you about what am I, what I'm weak at. Yeah. So that, that's one way of doing it. And I say the other opportunity about who is how are you finding the people before they get big? Yeah. And I, in the book, I walked through my process, but one of them is just like, how do you find pre-fluencers? Mm -hmm. For instance, one of the, the popular guys now is Danny Miranda. He's like, a, he's got a popular podcast. Yeah, yeah I know Danny. You know Danny. Mm -hmm. I never know Danny. I was Danny. I think it was Danny's first show. Yeah. I, actually, him and I were talking a little bit about that one time and you were one of the names you brought up that was like, yeah, Noah gave me a shot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm looking. And so the question is, well, how did you find him? And so a lot of my success, like even my, my Twitter, my LinkedIn is Sylvie and this guy, Jay, mm -hmm. who run my social media. They run uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Jay is 17 and lives with his parents. <laughs> I have to have a permission slip to hang out Perfect. with this guy. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm like old enough to be his stepdad. And Jay Yang is, is phenomenal. I should check him out on Twitter. And Jeremy on our team noticed him. And I encourage that. You know, it's like, how are you encouraging others to think like, look for just someone doing something different. Yeah, yeah. Look for who you watch on YouTube. Look for who you like on social media. And even just send him a compliment. It doesn't have to be a big expectation. Like, sure. What should I send him? Just be like, yo, I like your stuff. I literally do this today. Like there's a guy rampage poker. I like his stuff on YouTube. I'm, he doesn't reply to me. But I still message him like, hey, yeah. I really like your videos. Right. And I do this because I enjoy it. It's not because I have to. Right. But that has led like to Jay Yang. He's now, we pay him monthly and he runs all of our Twitter, LinkedIn, and uh, Instagram. Hmm. And same with Dan Miranda podcast. I just thought, I noticed the people who are doing something I like and I just connect with them. I'm not necessarily doing it with a big expectation, but that has led to Tim Ferriss, who I'm going on a show to talk about the book, one of yeah. the biggest business podcasts. Lewis Howe's super huge show. I helped promote his stuff years ago when he was doing like LinkedIn courses. Right, right. So it's kind of noticing people early on, sending a compliment and people get this backwards and it's hard to do this, but is there anything you can do to help them? Yeah. And we all, but the, the problem, that's the same thing as business. We're like, don't build this stuff. Everyone knows that, but no one fucking does it. Right. Everyone knows like, oh, I should probably help them, but we're like, okay, I have my selfish need right now. I'm totally. Yeah, and yeah. so it's balancing. Is there a way to get your selfish need met and maybe help this person? Right. And it's doing that super early on before they're getting a lot of attention. Like Ali Abdal, mm -hmm. met him three years ago when he had like, I don't know, 100,000 subs. It was very easy to talk to him. And yeah. now at 5 million subs, it would have been a harder thing to do. Right, for sure. And I'd say lastly, who you can ask for referrals. So remember what I told you I did early on? Yeah. One of the things I'm still to this day, I like it. I, I enjoy it. It's one of the best things in life is meeting interesting people asking like, who else should I talk to for podcasts? Yeah. Who else should I hire that might be good? And that's how I've gotten a lot of different hires. How I've made like cool friends, how I've brought people into like different ecosystems. Yeah. Well, and even at the beginning when you didn't have money to pay people or you didn't have maybe as big of a name to get responses and DMs or whatever, you're still running networking events. You're still going out to coffee, meeting people. And then these people end up doing huge things anyway. It's like you put yourself in a culture of people doing shit. Yeah. Like somebody eventually is going to do something really cool. You know what I'm saying? Like if, you, if you're in a culture where everybody's just going to the bar and drinking every weekend, then the odds of like one of those people doing something amazing in life is probably not going to be super high. <laughs> but like if you go to like if you're putting together an event or a dinner and you're inviting people who are totally. working on something, even if they haven't made it yet, just like we're all we have this synergistic common goal of doing something bigger than what most people want to do. Yeah. And you get a bunch of people like that in a room and you do that consistently and you do that consistently over a long period of time. It's just some people are going to come out of that and do some really, really cool shit which is, I mean, you're the perfect example of that for for you specifically with AppSumo, but then also like the people you worked with at Facebook and then the people that you brought into these lunches and then going out with Ramit Sethi before he, you know, wrote anything. And then like it, it speaks it speaks volumes because that ultimately is what leads to 
all the other successes that you're able to have. It's yeah. kind of like these just these multiple points of opportunity that exist totally. within your you know world where you can, it's just one text away now and it's somebody Dude, who most crazy. people would pay 10 grand for. Well, you know, and now you can just text them. Which is, it takes time for that. It's not something that happens <clears throat> immediately. And most people, you've heard like you're the average of five people, which is, it's an okay one. Yeah. I think it's also what I've been thinking more about is like, you're the average of your radius. Hmm. And so are you in the right radius? And I, I, I feel fortunate that I lived in Silicon Valley during like the hype of living in Silicon Valley for my 20s. And so I was in that right radius. And now I would say, how are you just in the space? How are you in the space of what's cool mm -hmm. for you? Not, not for what Noah is or not what Travis is, but for yourself. And yeah. so for me, being in YouTube and just putting out videos doesn't mean you have to be great, but putting out, being in that kind of creator area, mm -hmm. I get it. Then start connecting with other people and more people want to meet someone doing than someone not doing. Yes. Like I, I'm more likely to respond to anyone who I'm like, at least you've put out some videos and you've stuck with it. Okay, cool. I'm a little bit more likely to say, Hey, I respect what you're doing. Maybe I don't meet, but at least I'll, I'll acknowledge it. Yeah. So be in the space and do stuff. And guess what? That might create a magnet for other people. Yeah, no, totally, dude. I've, this has been an awesome conversation, man. I want to be respectful of your time. I know you got some other stuff to do while you're here in Vegas. Um, but uh, Million Dollar Weekend is coming out on what day? January 30th. January 30th. So uh, by the time this episode comes out, this book will be live. If you have not picked up a copy yet so far in this interview, please go pick up a copy right now. Million Dollar Weekend. I mean, this guy's been doing it for decades at this point. He's relatively successful, I would say, with a $80 million a year company. And even though he doesn't like ghosts, we'll f forgive him for now, even though he's going to come back to me in like a month from now and, sh and send me a picture of the ghost he's drinking. No, dude, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Where can people go besides picking up a copy of the book to yeah. learn more about you and consume some more stuff that you're putting out? Yeah, for everything, you, if you want more templates, if you want examples of step-by-step, -step, like how do you check the market size? How do you do a one-minute business model? A lot of step-by-steps step that's in the book, go to milliondollarweekend.com. Perfect. A bunch of free resources that everyone can go and take their own 48-hour challenge to change their life in 48 hours. MillionDollarWeekend.com, guys. Go pick up a copy of the book. Go check out some of the free trainings and resources that Noah has over there. There's a lot of people that teach this shit, but uh, there are a much smaller pool of people that are actually really good at it, and Noah's one of those people. So if you're going to go learn this weekend something, I recommend it to be this. Noah, thanks so much for coming on, dude. This is fun. Thanks, Travis. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.